Good afternoon, everyone. The Sacramento City Council will please come to order. Would the clerk call the roll, um, please, and uh, so we can establish a quorum. Thank you. Councilmember Lalowy? Here. Councilmember Harris? Here. Councilmember Valenzuela? Here. Councilmember Chenier? Here. Mayor Pujotemgera? Here. Councilmember Jennings? Here. Councilmember Vang? Here. And Mayor Steinberg? I am here. Good afternoon, everybody, in this uh, day of transition. Um, and even in the midst of uh, um, all of the excitement that uh, will take place at five o'clock, the business of the city never stops. And we actually have a busy agenda today. So let us begin with the Pledge of Allegiance and the land acknowledgement. And that's Councilmember Rick Jennings, if you would please lead us. Thank you. The opening acknowledgement in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisihan people, the Southern Maidu Valley, the Plains Miwok, the Patton Winton people, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe, may we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contribution, and lives. Thank you. Pledge of allegiance, please. Salute. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right. Members, uh, today is a joint meeting uh, of the Sacramento Housing Authority and of the City Council, and the agendas are sort of put together concurrently. Those of you in the audience who may not know all the intricacies, the uh, Housing Authority is the City Council, and the City Council is the Housing Authority. There are times when we're focused on housing issues relating to the Sacramento Housing and Redevelopment Agency that we meet, quote, as the Housing Authority. So. Um, I have had a request to move up the climate item from um, some folks, and it, without objection, I, I'm inclined just to do that, because I think we can knock it out relatively quickly. And I've talked to uh, Ms. Dozier, and she uh, graciously uh, agreed to, to, to that request. And so maybe if we knock that out, and we promise not to ask her any detailed questions about the climate action plan. Um, then, then we'll go back to uh, the regular agenda, okay? So let's take, um, we have Jennifer Venema here, and these are items uh, 31 and 32, but 31 um, is gonna be just a very brief lead-in to 32 taken together, um, and the full climate action plan update, your broader, maybe workshop-wise, we wanna leave for the new city council uh, come the month of January. So Ms. Venema, please come on up and let's, uh, let's go to work. Good afternoon, Mayor and Council. Happy to be here this afternoon. I'm Jennifer Venema, your Climate Action Lead in the Office of Climate Action and Sustainability. And this is our quick quarterly report out on progress. We're laying the foundation for the bigger milestone, which Yvette will speak to shortly for item 32. So to recap this last quarter, since we spoke with council last about our climate action on August 16th, we've had several big accomplishments. 
On November 29th, City Council adopted the region's first all-electric ordinance for new construction. Council approved a list of transportation grants and transportation priorities. We're going to talk shortly about the alternate water systems ordinance, which is a big milestone with our partners from labor. And we're putting out money to create jobs and training in climate fields. Lastly, to report back in August, the city council requested staff to accelerate release of the adaptation section of the climate action and adaptation plan. And we have done that. We released it on October 31st. And very quickly, just want to note that tomorrow is the last date for proposals on youth and climate workforce career pathway programs. The city's providing about $1 million of funding available to nonprofits and governmental agencies for these climate career pathways. Because the solicitation is ongoing and we have work to do, we're delaying our update to city council on clean and green workforce initiatives until early 2023. At that time, we'll come back working together with the Office of Innovation and Economic Development. And we'll share about the regional green analysis we've completed for workforce, including a report on the types of projects we're awarding with city funding. Also, we look forward to council support promoting the free air sensor giveaway, which launched yesterday through our partnership with the Air Quality Management District. These monitors are available for free for residents, businesses, and buildings in our high-need, low-income areas. And this was with City Council's investment through the Climate Work Plan. Very brief, briefly, we want to acknowledge that we'll also report back to the new City Council about the existing building electrification strategy. This was a work item directed by the City Council to establish a long-term strategy approach to transition existing buildings. And with that, we've been doing a lot of modeling. We have good news to share on cost benefits available to our residents. And we'll look forward to your help sharing this information to the community early next year. We're also advancing partnerships and happy to report we secured the $350,000 grant that we pursued with SMUD, which will pay for heat pumps in low-income homes. And with that, just to remind you, we have a lot of continued work underway. We'll be releasing the full revised climate action and adaptation plan early next year. As we continue to implement work, we're not waiting for the plan to be adopted. And with that, I transition it now over to Yvette Rincon with the Department of Utilities. On the dual plumbing issue, yes. Thank you very much. And again, look forward, that was great, even more depth when the new council's on board. Thank you. Good afternoon, Mayor and City Council members. My name is Yvette Rincon. I am the Chief of Staff to the Director of Utilities. Um, thank you for having me here today. I'd like to start by thanking my colleagues in DOU and CDD, the Office of Climate Action and Sustainability, the Attorney's Office, and Local 447. This past year and a half, we have worked closely together on this effort. Today, we are asking that you approve the CEQA exemption, adopt the Alternate Water Systems Ordinance, 
and adopt a resolution to study the feasibility and programmatic requirements for a full on-site water reuse program. This work first uh, it was initiated in June of 2021 when Mayor and City Council directed staff to evaluate opportunities for the expansion of water conservation standards for buildings as a means of accelerating the just transition of labor that may be impacted by the all-electric new construction ordinance. In June of 2022, staff completed a feasibility study over the, and over the course of the last six months presented the findings to the Law and Ledge Committee. We recommended an ordinance framework and finally a draft ordinance for their approval. All along the way, staff has consistently engaged Local 447, the Sacramento Builders Exchange, Regional Sanitation and other builders in the area. From the beginning of this project, all parties agreed that to complete this work over two phases. Today with the proposed ordinance, we officially complete phase one and next year we will move on to phase two. Now I will move on to staff's recommendation. Staff's recommendation is to adopt an ordinance requiring gray water systems for outdoor subsurface irrigation for new commercial buildings of 10,000 square feet or larger. Treatment is not required for gray re water reuse for outdoor irrigation. In addition, requires separate additional piping that can be used for reuse of gray water for toilet and urinal flushing in new commercial buildings of 50,000 square feet or larger. This ordinance does not require the installation of treatment systems, just the additional piping. According to the feasibility study we completed, the average cost for additional piping is approximately $2.88 per square foot. <clears throat> this ordinance also includes exemptions for the following buildings, residential, grocery stores and food deserts, childcare facilities, warehouses and storage facilities, and for additions and improvements to buildings. If you adopt this ordinance today, we recommend an effective date of July 1, 2023. This allows for a six month period of outreach and notice to developers of the new requirements. It also allows time for the building division to develop policies and procedures for implementation. Finally, this item includes a resolution that demonstrates staff commitment to phase two. In phase two, we will further study all the requirements needed to implement a full program. However, to do this work, we need the state to complete its development and adoption of onsite treatment and enforcement regulations. For this reason, the soonest we could begin this work would be the summer of 2023. At the time of our initial study, there was little data available on the costs of treatment and operation and maintenance of on-site systems. However, the data that did exist uh, suggested that these costs could be significant. Therefore, in phase two, we'll take the time to further research and model these costs before bringing forward a recommendation on indoor water reuse requirements for commercial buildings. <clears throat> our plan is to present the phase two study findings and if warranted, bring proposed ordinance revisions in 2025 for an effective date of 2026. This is in alignment with phase two of the new building electrification ordinance and the effective date of the 2025 building code, California building code. This concludes my presentation and our team is here. Happy to answer any questions you might have. Thank you. Okay. Th thank you very much. This is really important. Um, let us hear the from the public um, first and then the council members. I know I'll have a comment, but I'm happy to go after my colleagues. Go ahead. Thank you. I have three speakers, Todd Chivago, then Rob Fong, then Kate Wilkins.
Good afternoon, Mayor and uh, Council and staff. Uh, I'm here today to express my extreme gratitude for working with 447 and addressing um, the and mitigating the job losses that just the standalone electrification would have presented to the plumbers and pipe fitters. Um, instead of having a tug of war, we came up with uh, a plan to find common ground and do something that was beneficial, that had provided a just transition for our workers, but also created an opportunity to do something great for the climate that's very responsible because of the water, um, the drought situation that we're having. So again, I wanna thank the council and, and the staff for working with 447 in partnership on something that turned into a, a really good ordinance. And in closing, I wanna congratulate um, council member Jay Chenier on his retirement and wish him the best in his retirement. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker is Rob Fong. Good afternoon, Mayor and Council. Rob Fong uh, with Local 447. I just wanted to um, really let you know it was important for us to partner with the city on the electrification ordinance. And um, today we're, um, you're going to vote on the dual plumbing ordinance, which um, was, um, you know, we're very grateful uh, for the partnership we have with the city. I think it's a great culture if, uh, as the city moves forward that um, you can work with your partners in a way that uh, allows everyone to uh, move forward. Um, through this process, we were um, able to start to forge a relationship with folks like the Sierra Club, and we're excited about our future with them. And so just thank you very much. You guys are very thoughtful. We appreciate um, kind of the, the partnership and, 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 and the way you uh, kept your word on it and wanted to let the city staff know that it was uh, it was a lot of hard work you had to do in a short time. Um, we're very, very grateful to the way you hung in there with us. And uh, I, I think we're all really happy with the, with the result where we are here. And so thank you very much. And uh, thank you. And our final speaker is Kate Wilkins. Hi, uh, Mayor and Council. This is, this is Kate Wilkins, volunteer with 350 Sacramento. First, want to thank Jennifer and the team for the presentation today and the work they've been doing on climate action. And congratulations on this uh, alternate water systems ordinance and your work with UA447. Uh, we support this ordinance at 350 Sacramento. Really excited about it. Um, wanted to touch briefly on the two major hurdles the city has in facing its climate goals uh, in the next coming years. Uh, number one, there's not enough staff capacity to put together the plan strategies, ordinances, and reports that this council has directed staff to do in the time that we need it to be done. First, for starters, the existing building strategy will not be available by the end of this year. The cap is over two years late, et cetera. None of this is the fault of staff. There isn't enough people or obviously consultant time to get these things done. Um, the, draft cap to release, the draft cap that was released in summer says the city will need six new employees to implement the cap. It's very clear we could use some of this capacity now. So we look forward to seeing funding for these positions in the next year's budget. And then briefly, number two, now that Measure A has been defeated, this is a great opportunity to look at the city's funding needs and how they could be addressed big picture. I think it's an excellent time to hear about the funding options that the city's consultants provided in your draft cap. And I would request that the council agendizes a presentation from those consultants on funding options for the cap in the near future. We don't need to wait until it's adopted sometime in 2023 to start that discussion. So. Thanks again. Have a nice holiday break. Um, thanks, everybody. Bye.
All right, I have no more speakers. Okay, thank you very much to the members of the public. Let's turn it over now to my colleagues. I have Councilmember Valenzuela first. Uh, Were you first, Eric? Did I get, I'm sorry. <laughs> Councilmember Guetta. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, first, I wanted to uh, thank uh, uh, all of those involved uh, from uh, our uh, friends in labor and uh, the business community that sat down to try to look at how we move this uh, forward. Uh, and also a special thanks here to Jennifer and Yvette for uh, you know, trying to figure out a good policy that moves us forward, uh, that moves us forward also with some speed and some, and some uh, uh, confidence so that we have a just transition as we're moving in this direction that looks at both the, the, uh, the, the very, uh, uh, very uh, urgent need to change uh, the direction we are, we're going with in our climate uh, and also to making sure that we don't leave people behind. You know, whether it's small businesses, whether it's working families, that we're doing that uh, concurrently. Um, uh, for, I want to quickly thank you, you know, uh, Jennifer, for me mentioning the Clean, clean the Air Monitor Program uh, Sacramento now because of the city's uh, commitment along with the Air District and the county and some of our local nonprofits will have the most extensive air quality, uh, air quality monitoring system in, in, uh, in our country. Uh, and, uh, and that goes because our staff has been committed about how do we address this. And we've been fortunate this year that we haven't uh, been affected by as many fires and smoke uh, in, the, in the Sierra counties. And that uh, continues our work with our neighboring counties to do that. But we have our part to do here. Uh, and even though we did have some rain uh, this weekend, um, it isn't enough to address our water issues and our water challenges. Uh, and herein lies the, the, the main point that we're uh, discussing today, which is the need to look at how we are better efficient with our, uh, the future planning for our city. And the dual plumbing issue is, uh, is nothing new that actually it's been to some industries. I mean, if you're, in the, if, if you're in the restaurant industry, you're already uh, working on that. You have a dual line because of the, the fats and whatnot. But uh, this allows us to be more effective and efficient um, with, uh, with the, our water usage. Uh, and, it, and it's going to get tougher. I mean, we've had, uh, you know, uh, last uh, very difficult last few years, and we're going to have uh, more difficult years ahead. Um, and so with that, Mr. Mayor, I'm going to go ahead and move this item. Uh, I'm excited about the future conversation in the new year uh, about our climate action plan and how we actually make uh, an, uh, an effective uh, commitment of working with um, this just transition. Uh, the last piece I'll say is thank you for including the conversation on pathways and on work. Uh, I want to make sure that all of our future conversations are also looking at not only how are we setting standards to be more effective on water efficiency, on our air, on our, on our energy, but what are we doing uh, to making sure that we're part of the workforce strategy and the economic development strategy to meet these goals. So every other city is going to be in this situation. Let's, uh, let's be ahead of that and also be the ones that are uh, exporting the solutions and and being the ones that are providing the economic opportunities that are going to improve our environment. With that, Mr. Mayor, I'll move the item. Thank you very much, uh, Mayor Pro Tem Guetta, and now Council Member Valenzuela. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I definitely want to start my comments with recognition of 447's leadership on this issue. I mean, you could have just opposed the electrification ordinance and said, no, it's going to hurt our industry, we need these jobs. And instead, you came to the table with a solution that is 
in my humble opinion, one of the best examples in the state of California of how to do this well. Um, and I don't think we could have done it without you um, and you pushing us on this issue and you showing up with your technical experts, with your all this knowledge you have from other cities across the state as to how this could work. And so I do want to commend you because it would have been much easier, I think, for you if you all had just said, we're just going to pose this and forget about it and we are going to fight it. And you might have won in that case. And then we'd still be at square one when we talk about this work. But this is really the best of all worlds because as my colleague just said, I mean, any climate policy, it's, it's emissions are obviously the ultimate goal. We want to reduce emissions. We want a sustainable planet. But in the end, doing that has to include everyone in our community, particularly the workers, particularly the people who are most likely to either be left behind or harmed. And so this is really an amazing opportunity for us to set a precedent that I hope does travel statewide. And I think your new friends at Sierra Club will hopefully help make that happen, which will be great. But also hopefully not the, the end, because when you look at this climate action plan and you look at all the work ahead of us and all the other sectors we need to tackle and the existing buildings and electric, electricity prices and green space and biking, like we have so much work to do. And so I hope this is just the beginning of, of a lot of great partnership with our trades unions and really, again, want to commend and echo the remarks about staff. You did a, a mountain of work in a very short amount of time because we wanted to make sure this happened when we did the electrification ordinance. And we're off just by a week or two, and that's pretty good considering how much work had to be done to get us here. But um, I just, I want to commend you for this, and I hope that this is a model now that we can start embedding in all of our work as we move forward, is starting with those who do the work and figuring out how do we work best to ensure that they are growing out of this and that we're all benefiting as we move forward on all of our strategies. So really do want to commend you all. I know this was quite the stretch, and thank you for dealing with our persistent requests um, to, to continue to go back and change things and make things different. Um, so happy to second this motion today, and really there's a lot in this report and in the comment from Kate from 350 that I want to talk about, but I do want today to really center on the, what I consider to be a really momentous moment with this dual plumbing ordinance and hopefully the beginning of many, many more accomplishments in the near term. Thank you. Very good. Um, thank you. Councilmember Chenier. Thank you, Mayor. So what she said. <laughs> I, I, I'm really on board with all of it. Um, just want to show appreciation both to our staff and to 447. This should be the model of how we work together. I mean, we always talk about those being impacted by a policy, being at the table and helping to develop what the policy looks like. I think there's no better case of this. I know there were some fits and starts as we got going on this, but I'm hoping that the learnings that came out of the partnership and the collaboration will carry forward as we continue to break ground on many of these things. So thanks very much, much appreciated. Thank you. So this final word, uh, what they said, um, because I agree with all of it. I, I just put it in my own way. A big thank you to the staff who worked really, really hard on this, to the Law and Ledge Committee, the entire council, and 447 uh, as well. The way that I would put it is um, sometimes good politics and good policy go together. And politics, I know, is, is you know maybe a term that isn't used a lot up here, but I think of it as an honorable thing when done well. And in this instance, 447 could have, based upon a narrow definition of their self-interest, opposed the electrification ordinance because in the short term, it might in fact cause some disruption. Um, but they chose a different and a better tack, which is good politics and good policy. And that is, they said, we believe it's important as leaders 
to support the climate imperative? And would you work with us to ensure that our workers, working men and women of our community, continue to get work um, in the construction field, in the plumbing field? And thus we were off to this discussion that led to this alternative, which by the way, is good environmental policy as well, because it's water conservation. So this, I agree with you, Jay, um, th this one ought to be upheld um, as a, a real model, and I'm grateful, and I'm gonna talk about it throughout the entire community, because politics is not a dirty word. Um, if it's good politics, good politics and good policy can go together, and this is a great example of it. Let's call let's call the roll, please. Councilmember Lalowy. Aye. Councilmember Harris. Aye. Councilmember Valenzuela. Yes. Councilmember Chenier. Aye. Mayor Pro Tem Guetta. Aye. Councilmember Jennings. Yes. Councilmember Vang. Yes. And Mayor Steinberg. Yes. All right. Um, thank you. That passes. Good work, everybody. <laughs> Jennifer Venema, thank you for spearheading this, and thank you to um, Michelle Dozier for forbearance and patience here as we, skipped, uh, <laughs> as we skipped around the agenda. Let's go back now. I don't know whether we have to formally convene the Housing Authority separately, but okay, so we are now meeting as the Housing Authority, and let's go back to uh, the public hearings and uh, begin with item one. Iniguez. All right. Good afternoon. Sally Iniguez, Program Manager with SHRA. I'm very pleased to be here and presenting this item. Uh, it is a request for approval of a disposition and development agreement and a conditional grant agreement uh, and related documents for 10 um, housing authority vacant lots with Habitat for Humanity. Uh, for a bit of background, these vacant lots are, uh, as I said, owned by the housing authority and located in Oak Park in both the, focused in the North Oak Park, but there's also um, lots in Central and South Oak Park. A request for proposals was issued on April 1st, 2022, seeking a developer to construct new single-family homes uh, to increase the uh, supply of affordable housing in the neighborhood. And although Habitat for Humanity of Greater Sacramento was the only proposal, they are the excellent fit for the community. Habitat, uh, as many of you know, has a long history of developing uh, affordable housing and partnerships with municipalities here in Sacramento and in Yolo counties. Uh, they produce affordable, uh, high quality affordable housing. Uh, as a nonprofit self-help housing organization, uh, they are dedicated to constructing affordable home ownership housing and have, they have developed more than 225 single family homes in Sacramento. Uh, a summary of the development proposal uh, on the 10 vacant lots. Uh, this will, in the end, there will be eight four-bedroom, two-story homes and two three-bedroom homes, two, sorry, and two three-bedroom, one-story homes. Uh, the development will happen over a total of 28 months in two phases. The first phase will be completed in 16 and the second in 14 with a, a two-month overlap. These homes will be made available to families uh, who uh, with limit to limit to the maximum of 80% of, excuse me, area median income. Uh, the $2.9 million project includes uh, funding from the housing authority of a million, uh, former redevelopment funds of about 500,000, and 
Habitat will be requesting uh, and applying for funds, Cal Home funds, in uh, of 500,000. And the remaining, a little over 940,000, will be through fundraising efforts of Habitat for Humanity. Um, let's see. I think we have representatives from Habitat for Humanity if you have any uh, questions. But that concludes my presentation. Very excited to get this project moving. This is terrific. Um, but we do have some uh, leaders and members of Habitat for Humanity here. I don't know if they're signed up publicly, uh, but um, we'd be happy since this is Habitat sponsored to have a representative group of you come on up and if you could designate a representative or Okay, I didn't know. Two, go ahead. I thought there were a larger group. Okay. Good afternoon, Mayor, Council Members, Lachelle and staff. Um, I'm here, uh, my name is Ann Gambino, this is Michael Gordon, he's the Director of Construction and I'm a wearer of many hats. Um, we're here on behalf of Leah Miller and want to express our sincere gratitude um, for this opportunity to build um, 10 homes in Sacramento. Um, with your support and, and SHRA's support, it is a very unique and unprecedented uh, opportunity to partner. Um, we've, Habitat has received numerous lots from SHRA in the past, but um, the, these 10 lots and the amount of funding that we're actually receiving from SHRA in the city are, are beyond and we're incredibly excited to get started and incredibly thankful to the mayor, to the city council, and to SHRA. Particularly Christine and Celia, thank you for the work you did behind the scenes. And um, Daryl, uh, thank you for leading the council. And Jay, congratulations on your upcoming retirement, but also thank you and Danielle for being a cheerleader on behalf of Habitat for this project. Thank you very much. And of course, if you have any, no, I'm good. Okay. if you have any questions, we're happy to answer. Well, thank you for championing so much opportunity. Oh, okay. My pleasure. Do we have other public testimony? Uh, I'm sorry? Okay, very good. It? Then we will turn it over. Thank you You're again. good, and, unless there are difficult and challenging questions upcoming from the council. We'll stand by. Here we go, okay. Let's turn it to uh, the members and start with uh, another legacy item for Mr. Chenier here. Uh, and Council Member Guetta, but Council Member Chenier, go ahead. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I, I actually come on thinking about it one way or the other. <laughs> getting these lots done, I want to thank Lachelle and, and SHRA. Uh, this was a long time in the making and through various iterations of ownership and, and building. But ultimately, I think having eight four-bedroom eight four-bedroom houses and what two three-bedroom houses. What, what an accomplishment. What a, what a great thing to happen in the neighborhood uh, as we think about how do we keep folks in the neighborhood, how do we provide the resources that they need to be successful. Um, you know, some of this money that we're able to put in, actually, uh, uh, the story here is that it was slated to straighten out the driveway at the Oak Park Community Center. Ten homes straighten out the driveway. How do we want to spend that money? Um, and we've been sitting on it for a while, and I think it's just a, a really good use of it. Um, this is good for Habitat, which is just a fabulous partner. It's good for 
the community, and it will certainly be a wonderful thing for those 10 families that, that move in. Um, I am uh, looking forward to getting the call and swinging a hammer on this. I'm going to borrow Mr. Harris's tool belt if he'll let me use it for this. Um, but uh, just excited about it overall and, and happy to move the item. Clo open and close the public hearing and move the item. Thank you. Uh, Councilmember Guetta. Thank you very much, Mr. Mayor, and let's take care of the business out of the way, and I'd be proud to second the uh, item here in the public hearing. Uh, first, I want to, you know, thank, you know, all of our SHRA staffs uh, involvement in this here. Appreciate your work. Uh, um, but uh, most importantly, I want to also thank uh, Habitat. Uh, this is an unprecedented um, partnership between the city. I mean, a, a very significant one. I'm proud uh, to have worked with Habitat on, on Mandalay Court, and I thank you for that. The 13 homes that we just completed there, uh, I think, is uh, you know a commitment of how Habitat has uh, been focusing on how do we help not only provide uh, so much needed housing for families, but also looking at how are we improving some of our neighborhoods uh, that have had a lot of challenges and increasing the, the quality of the housing and improving in those areas. Um, you know, the, the fact that uh, even in this, the design standards in some of these homes um, are, uh, for example, the Mandalay Course, I know we're 100% all electric as well, and, uh, and looking at them for what, what does a home for the future look like, I think is imperative. Uh, you know, for those of us who have been working a lot on, on affordable housing, uh, the fact that you can get uh, four-bedroom homes here, for some of our larger families. I mean, there's not a lot of options for, for, family, uh, for families out there. Sometimes there's one bedroom, two bedroom, affordable housing. Um, this is really helping a, a, a huge effort for, um, to making sure that we have a place for families where they can have uh, a productive place for their kids. Uh, and most importantly, 500 hours of sweat equity. Everyone involved in this project, and what I love about Habitat is that level of community that it does and it's brought in. Uh, as well. So I just wanted to, again, just thank again uh, Habitat for its work here. Um, and, you know, I'm in the adjacent the district, but uh, just seeing what's happening in our, in the south area of South Sacramento and what commitment Habitat has done for that uh, is going a long way in changing the overall community. And I just want to say how, um, uh, how engaged the community has been that when someone tried to um, uh, break into one of the Habitat homes, the neighbors all said no. You know, they, they wanted to make sure that they protected the, the products, out, the, the, their equipment and material. And so I want to thank you again, and Mr. Mayor, proud to second this item. You know. Thank you very much. Uh, Councilmember Harris. Yeah, thank you, Mayor. I just want to say thank you to Habitat also. You're a great partner, and uh, the work you do is really phenomenal. Uh, I, you know, I've watched your projects go on for many years, and uh, who knows, maybe I will be able to drag out my hammer and help you with these. I'd be happy to, so tell Leah. Anyway, uh, thanks to SHRA, Celia, and Christine, and Michelle. This is, a, this is a good use of city property. It really is, and I'm, I'm proud that it's gone this way. <clears throat> Very good. Well, um, congratulations. Thank you, SHRA. Always, Councilmember Schneer, great, great work. And Habitat, I mean, every time I go to one of your uh, door opening events, it's just, it's just magnificent and moving. And uh, 
wish we could clone you <laughs> everywhere. Oh, wait, I, I will say we are. Um, we definitely are. I mean, we, we also put 500,000 into Rock the Block in Oak Park. So that will enable, I believe, Rock the Block fixing up homes for people to go year round. Um, so I think the partnership with Habitat and the city is really remarkable. And I hope we'll just continue to grow. I mean, putting a four bedroom house on the market for, or having it go to someone for $300,000 mortgage, you can't beat it. So thank you, appreciate it. Very good. Um, let's, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, abstain, that passes unanimously. Thank you. Again. <laughs> With the cheer. Okay, the next item, please. <clears throat> Good afternoon, Mayor and members of the City Council. My name is Tracy Knighton. I'm the agency's Human Resource Program Manager. Uh, the staff report that I'm presenting to you today is a report that recommends that the City Council and Housing Authority of the City of Sacramento authorize the agency to approve an amendment to the PERS contract between the agency and the Board of Administration of the Public Employee Retirement System. The amendment includes providing contract exclusion and partial service retirement. CalPERS completed a public agency review of the Sacramento City Housing Authority in March of 2021 in regard to how the agency interpreted which type of employees were excluded from CalPERS membership. Based on the review, PERS recommended and the agency agrees to amend its contract with PERS to properly designate which classification can be excluded from membership in the PERS retirement system. <clears throat> Currently, temporary employees are listed as excluded from CalPERS membership. If these employees if these temporary employees exceed 1,000 hours of service, they must become members, so they cannot be excluded from membership. The only classification of employees that can be excluded from membership are student interns. In addition, the agency would like to add a partial service retirement option to those who meet the normal retirement age and service requirements. This change will enable the member to be able to reduce work time, continue working, and receive a partial service retirement allowance with partial service retirement. A phased retirement program will assist the agency with knowledge management and continuity of operations in the short term, but also prepare the next generation of experts for success. The resolution of intention give the required 20-day public notice to authorize the agency to amend the retirement contract. The final resolution of approval are scheduled to be submitted for approval on January 10th, 2023. This concludes my presentation and I'm available to answer any questions that you may have. All righty. Um, thank you so much. Is there public testimony uh, on the item? I have no uh, speaker slips or hands raised for this item. Okay. Um, <coughs> please uh, take a motion in a, in a second. Um, Pro Tem, did you want to say something? Okay. You've been seconded. Uh, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Passage unanimously. Thank you very much. An easy one. Thank you. Um, the next item, the emergency bridge housing at, at the Grove in the Meadowview Navigation Center. Housing hundreds of people. Good afternoon, Mayor and members of the Council. My name is Sarah O'Daniel, and I'm with the Sacramento Housing and Redevelopment Agency. On October the 13th, a staff report was brought forward to you informing you that both the Emergency Bridge Housing at the Grove, or EBH for short, and the Meadowview Navigation Center had completed two years of operations. 
EBH completed two years seven months ago on May 31st, and Meadowview completed two years on September the 30th. We also reported that both shelters had used their cost savings to continue operations and needed funds immediately to provide seamless services to our homeless guests. On that day, you approved the allocation of $2.2 million of federal funds to continue and expand EBH from 24 to 50 transitional age youth, or TAY, who live in the tiny home communities. In addition, at the Meadowview Center, which houses 100 homeless women in a sprung shelter, approximately 280,000 was allocated to continue operations through this month until the State Homeless Housing Assistance and Prevention Funds, or HAP for short, came through. On November 3rd of this year, Governor Newsom caused panic among jurisdictions up and down the state when he halted, <laughs> my heart started beating a little Sorry, faster that day. Panic, <laughs> when, um, and this was up and down the state, of course, when he halted the disbursement of the HAP funds until he met with local leaders including Mayor Steinberg and others, to stress the accountability and requiring better outcomes from all jurisdictions with the use of the state funds. And then he agreed to release the funds. Um, to date, the city has received the state contract and has returned it to them signed and are still awaiting um, the funds. The funds are anticipated to be received shortly. However, as it is critical for us to continue operations without any interruptions to our guests, staff recommends moving forward to reallocate some of the funds that were allocated on October 13th. Specifically, staff recommends 800,000 of Emergency Solutions Grant or ESG funds to be reallocated from EBH to Meadowview, allowing both shelters to operate seamlessly for the next few months. The 800,000 reallocated from EBH will be backfilled with state HAP funds when they are received and does not impact operations at the site. Once the federal funds are utilized, staff will utilize the state funds, HAP funds, which will be received by then to operate the shelters for an additional 12 months. Just as a quick update on both shelters, at EBH we have already doubled the number of guests from 24 to 50 uh, homeless transitional age youth that have been taken off the streets. Um, and of course, just to mention, both sites have robust case management, assistance with seeking employment, meals, showers, laundry services, etc. Meadowview, unfortunately, has had an outbreak of COVID-19 right now, is currently under lockdown, but it is set to um, open back up later this month. And um, currently, there are 86 women at the site. Once lockdown is removed, Staff will ramp up and reach full capacity again. Um, just to mention also, we have weekly and monthly reports on both the shelters on our website, and they can be found at www.shra.org under the Find Housing tab. And this concludes my presentation. Be glad to take any questions you may have. Thank you for good work and uh, really good work in keeping these uh, uh, life and death places uh, open <laughs> as best as you can, because mm -hmm. I know it has not been a sort of traditional historic function of, of the agency, uh, but you've taken this on and done it really well, and, uh, and I want to say thank you. So uh, let's, any members of the public? I just have one, Daniel Adderhoff. 
afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. I'm here today on several reasons on this one and, and item four. What I'm here for is to know about what's going to happen to the people that are having COVID in these shelters that are not being attended to. I found out several people are having um, COVID and not being attended at all. As a matter of fact, they're not even being separated from the people in the public in the shelters at all. For example, the BOA over on Fifth Street, they have COVID. Several people there have COVID, not one thing has been, they're not separate, they're not taking measures to protect the people. They're saying, oh, well, they had vaccination shots, oh, well. Um, three ladies from Meadowview, or I think it was Meadowview, it was one or two um, that contacted me saying that they have COVID and they want to know if there's any outreach that could help them because they don't want to get anybody else sick. I don't know if they respond to you guys or not. I don't know if they should or anything. I don't know. But also, what about the homeless pets? Um, we are, me and my uh, American Homes crew have been taking care of a lot of these homeless people's pets that are in these shelters because they don't allow pets. And that and that's an outcry because homeless pets and homeless go hand in hand together. I stated this over and over again in the board supervisor meetings. And this is my first time being here in a while. I'm seeing a lot of these new faces here. Nice to meet you guys. But um, what I'm, getting, I'm getting at right now though is the homeless pets. They're the ones that are being the true victims out of this. They're the ones that are not being taken care of me and my wife and everybody out there is trying our best to help these homeless pets. Um, a lot of these shelters are dropping the ball helping these animals out here, which we'll be addressing later on today. What I'm getting at though is where, where, where is this thing about the homeless pets? What are you guys going to do about the homeless pets and having them with their owners? Because we can't take care of all of these people's pets that are in these shelters. And because you guys have all pets in shelters, what's going on? So I would like to know. Thank you. I have no more speakers. Okay, let's hear from the members. I know I have a question about Mr. Adderholtz. At both the uh, X Street Navigation Center and Meadowview, we have kennels there. Yeah, we do. And, and do take pets in. I have a question about the COVID issue. Maybe I can ask that now. And this is a really hard one, but I, I just want to be consistent because I know that I've made a very strong case and a lot of controversy that all our city employees ought to be vaccinated. Um, remember that a year plus ago? <laughs> well, I, I understand that it may be that a lot of the people who are living in our shelters are choosing not to be vaccinated. Um, and is that true? And if so, I know it's uncomfortable, but is that a problem? It's a problem. I say it's a problem. I mean, especially if we're having to shut down the shelters and, you know, others who are vaccinated have, have to leave or, you know, have more disruption in their lives than they already have. So is that the case, Tara? Um, so um, there is no mandate that, that the guests have to be vaccinated. However, what I can say is that the guests are being tested twice a week. And um, so that way, you know, you're finding out if they are, if they do have COVID, then they are isolated right away. I appreciate, so, I appreciate um, your answer, but that's not my question. I'm sorry. No, you're trying to protect the people, and I respect that completely. I'm, I'm it ask, is not mandated, right? Yeah, I know it's not mandated, yeah. but by do we know that a number of people living in these shelters are not vac are choosing not to get vaccinated? Is that? Yes, that is okay. true. I got a problem with that. Maybe others do or don't. I don't know. I have a problem with that. We, we made a huge issue with our city employees here. And again, it, it's people are already so vulnerable. I'm not picking on anybody, but it's the impact on, uh, on, their, on their 
residents within the shelters, right? Because they have to leave too. And Lachelle was just telling me, Ms. Dozier was just telling me, you know, SHRA is making sure nobody gets homeless, right? But there's more motel vouchers, which are already oversubscribed. <laughs> it, it's, you know, we've got limited number of pallet homes. It, I don't know. Hate to, hate to raise a can of worms here, but it, it's troubling to me. Others? Councilmember Vang? Thanks, Mayor. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for your presentation. I think the mayor just asked the question that I asked. Um, just wanted to get some clarity on protocol regarding COVID. So appreciate that the testing is happening when someone uh, is, when someone does have COVID, the isolation does occur. Uh, so really appreciate the due diligence on that. I too also, I think what echo the mayor and figuring out what we can do in terms of vaccination, as my staff will share, you know, it's not as simple as choice. I think making sure to also um, provide that education um, as well to let them know that it's really important to make sure they get vaccinated in terms of protection. And so uh, perhaps we need to do some intense outreach as well um, regarding vaccination. So definitely want to um, make sure maybe we can follow up. Mayor is having a conversation with Lachelle right now. I know he's concerned about the vaccination, but I think, you know, Mayor, I share the same concern as you and perhaps we can figure out what a potential solution could look like. I think being a little bit more intense uh, on the outreach, on the education, on the vaccination. I know uh, there are some um, hesitation, uh, but I would say that they're just not vaccine ready. And I wouldn't say that they wouldn't say no completely. I think it's a matter of making sure that we get them up to speed on that. But Sarah, I do wanna say thank you so much for your presentation and um, wanted to take this time to thank Lachelle um, and all of our SHRI staff, uh, VOA really just for the diligent work and service that you are providing uh, to our community in the South area. You know, the MetaView Navigation Center is just one part of our critical work in our entire system to address homelessness. Um, I also wanted just to point out, because I know we had a public speaker that um, talked about uh, making sure that we address the pet issue. I know at the MetaView Navigation Center, we do allow pets as well. Um, but I, I really appreciate this item because I know that right now we simply do not have enough beds to serve individuals that are experiencing homelessness. Uh, Mayor, as you mentioned earlier, uh, these shelters are really important because it's a life and death matter. And we know that the longer folks are living on the street, the shorter their lifespan. And so it's incredibly important to make sure that we continue to provide shelter for our unhoused neighbors. Um, this shelter in particular uh, was right was open right before I came in as councilwoman. And I am proud of the work that has been done there. You know, to date we have been able to house 184 women. I think that's something to celebrate. Uh, it's important to make sure to shine light on our wins, right? Um, so want to acknowledge that. Um, and really just want to thank all the staff that works there day in and day out uh, to make sure that the women at the shelter uh, truly uh, can have a sense of community there. Um, I know this funding mayor will only allow for operations until May 2023. And so we're going to have to figure out if we're going to continue the service. Um, it, it, is that accurate? If the current federal funds that we have will take us through May, however, then we will be utilizing the state HAP funds. I see. So that so that will continue the operations for an additional 12 months. Thanks, thanks, Sarah, for that clarification. Appreciate that. Um, and then, lastly, I just wanted to take this moment just to say thank you uh, for the transparency piece as well. I know that uh, you all provide monthly and weekly uh, reports to the community at large, and really just wanted to take this opportunity to say thank you. Um, for doing that. So with that, um, Mayor, I'll, I'll move this item. Very good, thank you, Councilmember Van. Councilmember Lalowy. Thank you very much, Ms. Mayor. Uh, a quick question. Uh, so the, the folks at MetaView, considering it's, it's a shutdown, are they all inside or have they been evacuated? 
what's the setting there right now? No, the, the women that are, that are there can continue to stay there, or if they want, voluntarily wanted to leave, they can't. Um, but no, they're allowed to um, shelter in place. Okay. And, and then those also, that have COVID um, are isolated. Mr. Mayor, on the, the vaccine side of it, um, I think by now it's been scientifically, it's been proven that whether you're vaccinated or not, you can catch the, the, the virus and you can pass the virus on. So I, I would hate to force something on this vulnerable group where they say no, and then now they have to pack their stuff and walk out of the shelter. I mean, I'm just kind of floating there. I'm not, I'm not ar arguing, you're absolutely correct, but I just hate to, because the science is saying whether you're vaccinated or not, you can catch COVID and pass COVID at an equal amount. Is that something that we want to force on this vulnerable group where if they don't want to take it, now they'll leave the shelter and now they're living out on the street? I, I'm, it's just a question. No, you know? you're, you know what? You are absolutely right. This is the, it's a catch-22 right. here, right? And it's a really difficult situation because as, again, Ms. Dozier and I were whispering a little bit, we already know there are significant barriers uh, for people to want to come indoors, but at the same time, we just voted on a historic partnership agreement with the county where we said that we're going to use all voluntary means to help get people into shelter. And in the end, if they won't come, we're asking the county to use Laura's law and the other involuntary tools they have because people cannot, should not be living on the streets. Um, and so this is... I don't know, I'm we're, we're torn on this and maybe what we ought to do in January is think about this, get some more data because what I know is anecdotal, but get some more data and come back and have a policy discussion about this in a way that leads with compassion for uh, the people obviously, but also compassion for the people who are vaccinated because yeah, you can still get COVID if you're vaccinated, but you're less likely to get it and you're less likely to get really sick. and so. We know the efficacy of vaccination, uh, and we've been consistent on that. So, okay, very good. Okay, do we have a motion and a second? A second, a second by uh, Mayor Pratim Geta. Let's uh, call the, uh, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, abstain. Just a quick note, uh, Mr. Mayor. Council Member Vang, just FYI, this is working together, so. I'm lending you money, so when the time comes, remember the time. <laughs> I think it's in both of our districts, Councilmember Lololi. Well, I'm actually lending you my money, and I'm not charging you any interest on that either. It's so. the community's money. Exactly. My community. So. <laughs> thank you, uh, Councilmember Lololi, and thank you, uh, Councilmember Vang. Madam Clerk, we'll move on to the next item. <clears throat> Thank you, Mayor Pro Tem. Item four is City Council approval of middle income housing bond policy. Good afternoon. Council is Christine Weicker with SHRA. The item before you, the middle income housing bond policy, includes goals, application process, and underwriting criteria. This will allow the city to become a member of a joint powers agency or JPA, which can issue tax exempt bonds to finance multifamily developments affordable to households earning 80 to 120% of area median income. <clears throat> Although this financing approach has been used in California since uh, 2019, there are limited regulations and adoption of the policy will help ensure the public benefit of the bonds, um, assess future requirements and provide inclusive approach 
and support middle-income housing. A draft policy was brought before the City Council for review on October 11th. Um, at the meeting, Council expressed support for the policy and directed SHRA staff to bring it back for approval. Since October, SHRA staff has met with the California Municipal Finance Agency, a bond issuer, bond council, and a bond purchaser regarding the policy. All three entities indicated that projects must have an agreement to regulate rent recorded on title, but that the agreement is not monitored by a third party, such as SHRA, which is typical for bond-funded projects. They indicated that SHRA would negotiate, or could negotiate, an additional regulatory agreement related to SHRA's monitoring of rents, income, and property conditions. However, all three entities um, cautioned that investors may be hesitant to be involved with projects with additional monitoring requirements, so the agreements would be to need to be negotiated on a project-by-project -project basis. SHRA will administer the policy, review applicants, and present funding requirements and agreements to City Council for approval, and although the administration of the policy would be designated to SHRA, the City Manager will be required to execute the JPA agreements. The policy requires that additional and annual reports be submitted to SHRA by developers, and these will help SHRA to administer uh, and determine if the project continues to meet all requirements. In conclusion, staff recommends approval of the middle income housing bond policy is available for any questions you may have. Thank you, Ms. Weikert. Uh, Madam Clerk, do we have members of the public signed up to speak? Yes, Mayor Pro Tem, I have one, Daniel Adderhoff. Mr. Adderhoff. The mayor was still up here because I like to applaud him on this way. He said after I left the podium here, I agree with him. It's about security. It's about the safety of the people of the house inside shelters. There should be a mandatory shot required to be there. Because even if you do get the, um, the virus after you have the shot, it's less deadly on you and you recover a lot easier. So I think it should be very important for people to have the shot. Also, I want to applaud the shell. I haven't seen you in a while, and I want to say, I, you surprised me being up there. I want to say, that, welcome to see you there. Thank you for um, helping the homeless out here, wanting to help the homeless. Middle-class housing is critical right now. It's downright critical right now, and SHRE is critical for helping the homeless right now. Right now, the housing situation is exploding. The homes, there is 196 homes right now available, though, in Sacramento. I don't know if you guys have been aware of this, but I have showed it, showed it Sacramento County Board of Supervisors for affordable housing. There's 196 homes here in Sacramento, which could help a lot of people off the streets, but there is no emergency housing vouchers for them to be off the streets. Me and Michelle had this talk a while back ago. And um, they're still available, amazingly. I just recently checked, they're still available, and that could be a lot of people off the streets if there's an emergency housing voucher available. And, uh, and they allow pets, which is critical, because pets and the homeless go hand to hand. Most of the homeless have three to four dogs, averaging. And the law in Sacramento says four animals. You're allowed to have four animals. So why should we separate different for the homeless because they're homeless? To me, that's discrimination. And Kay Venezuela, nice to see you. We had this talk on the, online. Um, right now, there's a lot of things going on. But like I said earlier, the homeless pets are a true victim of all this, along with the homeless out here. Because like I said, they go hand in hand. But the homeless get into a shelter. But what about the dog? What about their pets? What's going to happen to them? You know, that you're separating them from their family, homeless from the family. They've been through enough already. There should be, Jeff Harris, there should be homes available that have affordable housing for homeless that have pets, you know. Thank you for your comments. There. Your time is complete. 
I apologize it wasn't all, on screen, but thank you. Help each other and get that help they need for the homeless. You guys keep the. Thank you for your comments. Together. Your time thank is you. complete. Thank you, Mr. Ratterhoff. Appreciate that, Madam Clerk. Um, I have no more speakers. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, let me go to Board Member this uh, Council Member Valenzuela. Yeah, thank you. And thank you, Christine, for that presentation. I want to appreciate all of the work you've done since the last time you were here and all the meetings that you've held. And, um, you know, this all stemmed out of several opportunities that kind of came to us pretty unexpectedly. It was a new way of doing things, and we didn't have a system in place to vet and figure out whether or not we should move forward. So I'm really excited to, to move this item today because I do think it's going to keep us ready for those that this specific type of opportunity. But as was just mentioned by a public commenter, I don't think there's enough we can do on middle-income housing right now and so any tool that might help us is, is worth exploring so thank you for all the work you did on this and I'm happy to move this item we good uh, mayor Pertem. mayor Pertem Gerda. thank you very much I'm gonna second the item again thank you Christine I know uh, again we we started off on this a little on the rocky side but uh, I think where we're going is a, is a very positive way and yes we uh, obviously have no question no no um, no question that more permanent supportive housing, more extremely low-income housing, more affordable housing. But if we're not uh, hitting the area of the uh, uh, you know middle class, you know work working class work uh, workforce housing, uh, we're going to start to see that continued pressure moving forward. And every option I think gives us different tools. I mean, it might uh, we have different folks who have who say this fits their their ability to deliver a project better. And I think we've got to be flexible in that. So thank you, Mr. Mayor, and look forward to working um, uh, on this as it moves forward. That's excellent. Uh, yeah, this is another example of innovation, and we need we need more of it given the shortage. And thank you for working to see this this through. Um, let's just make a number, a couple of these projects happen if we can, please. All right. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, abstain. That's excellent. Okay. Um, that is the Housing Authority meeting, so thank you, uh, Director Dozier and your team for great work. And uh, we will now move into, uh, back into the City Council session itself. And let's go back to the, uh, let's start with the special presentations um, and start with uh, Council Member Valenzuela. Thank you, Mayor. It is my great honor tonight to be recognizing a retiring city staff person, Bridget Dean. You know, it's hard enough to create change within a system, but I think we can all agree that it's even harder to try to create a whole new system within a system. And a little while ago, the mayor had this crazy idea to try to create this whole new department <laughs> in the city. No regrets. <laughs> to, to take, accept calls that didn't require law enforcement engagement. But I can say now that I don't think the city could have picked out anybody better to lead this new department than Bridget Deem. In the short time since it's existed, DCR has responded to thousands of calls for service, has moved mountains in building relationships with local service providers and experts, and brought in some of the brightest and most passionate staff that we could have hoped for, many of whom are here in the audience today. And I think that is a true testament to the woman that we are honoring here tonight. I have found this department under Bridget's leadership to be compassionate, committed, hardworking, and truly, truly passionate for helping those who are on the street. 
And this doesn't mean that it hasn't been bumpy, um, and many of the communities still have a lot of misunderstandings about what you do and don't do. I have never once doubted the intent of this team and how hard you have worked in your, in, in your goal and your passion for ensuring those on the street and those impacted by homelessness get the help that they need. When I thought of crazy ideas, like starting the first city-run safe camping ideas, Bridget and her team were right there with me. Uh, did not hesitate before diving straight in to figure out something that we had never done before. And when we struggled with building trust with unhoused people, I saw her teams and their partners go out again and again and again to understand the issues, to really figure out solutions that were gonna work best for the people who were impacted. As one example of this, I actually went out with, uh, for the point in time count in the River District at 10 o'clock at night um, with Bridget's team and was pleasantly surprised that every single encampment we walked up to, they were on a first name basis, every single one. Um, and that shows not just the time and dedication, but also truly the passion and authenticity that she has cultivated and given space for um, with the teams and contractors that she works with. And while we still have a far way to go in getting the amount of shelter housing we need to move everybody off the street, a milestone we all strive for, and with the recent partnership agreement, or hopefully one step closer to getting towards, Bridges teams and their partners have built the expertise and relationships to help us figure out how to best manage this crisis until that goal is achieved. In the end, I think I can say all I want as an elected official, but I think some of the best words actually came from her team themselves. One of her staff said that throughout her career, she has never, never settled for the status quo, constantly pushing the boundaries and expanding resources and opportunities for the most disenfranchised people in the communities in which she served. She has also empowered countless new leaders, leaving behind a coaching tree that rivals the best of the best. You will be missed, Bridget, not just because of your lived experience, your clear passion, your expertise training and how you work, um, but also um, just because of who you were and, and how great it was to work with you and, and work with your team that you were able to build in your short time in this role. So you will be missed. It will be hard shoes to fill, but we will do our best um, because we have a lot of work to do. Um, but in the end, I just I want to say that we are committed to continuing to build on the best practices that you and your team have established in these short couple of years. And I'm very confident that if we do that, that we will really find a path forward here that works best for everybody. So thank you, Mayor. I will defer to any of my colleagues who'd like to speak, but I definitely want to make sure we get a picture with her. We and will her get team a picture, and I, I really appreciate you taking the lead on this, Councilmember Valenzuela. And I'd just like to add briefly. Um, it's never easy being the first out of the gate. It never is easy. Because when you create something that no one has tried before, it comes with a lot of uh, stops and starts and um, high expectations. And I will forever be grateful to you, Bridget, um, for your unflinching willingness to step into this role and to help put this together with Howard and, and with Chris Conlon previously, Mario and the, you know, the, the entire team here, um, you know, because it was a team effort, but it took somebody who um, is a true believer in the mission. And that is we can do better by the people suffering the most among us and thus do better by our city. And so you should be proud um, of what you started and You'll always be engaged and involved, but to watch this take off to wherever it goes, especially in light of this new partnership agreement, by the way, your department and your work is a precursor, a necessary precursor to that partnership agreement. Um, the city's very grateful to you, and I am personally. Thank you. Others, Councilman Chenier. Yeah, just really briefly, um, thank you. 
for all your work. Uh, we had lots of conversations, mostly me venting, which I appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> mostly me venting about Broadway in 99. Um, but uh, I appreciate it. As the mayor said, it, it's hard to be the first, and it's hard to, get, to create something um, because we know it's going to take iterations to get it right. But the work is so important, and you never hesitated. So appreciate all of that. Beautiful. Uh, Councilman Harris. Thank you, Mayor. Well, Bridget, uh, you know, we've worked together for quite a while, and I think maybe the most significant thing we did was start the Shore Center, uh, and, which has evolved into the CRIB, the Crisis Receiving Behavioral Health Center, which has become central to the agreement between the city and the county. Uh, you, you really have done great work. You've been such a wonderful friend and collaborator. Uh, I'm going to miss you terribly. I know that Nick is staying on, and that gives me uh, great hope for uh, DCR, but um, really will miss you, and I hope that we can continue to speak, you know, after we're both gone. All right, thanks. Very good. Now we have Councilmember Rick Jennings. Thank you. Thank you, Bridget. Uh, thank you for all you've done. Thank you for all that uh, you did to make this city a better place. I don't ever remember a time of calling you that you did not pick up the phone. I don't ever remember a time that you did not have a strategy or a solution to a problem that we were dealing with. I never remember the time that you had a bad attitude or that you were not a willing partner in working with us. And so everything that I know about you means that you're a great teammate. And while I'm sorry to lose you as a teammate in this work, I know that we're gonna be friends forever, and I promise you that I'll hold up my end of the commitment on that. I just wanna thank you for the incredible job, the incredible body of work that you did to put us in the position of where we are today. And while we are sorry to lose you, we never wanna lose our relationship with you. So the best of luck, I'm a phone call away, and as they say, whenever you call me, I'll be there. <laughs> Uh, do you want to add, just call my name? Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> Come on, you want me to sing it, man? Come on! Come on! May Potem get out. I'll avoid the singing, Mr. <laughs> I, Bridget, just want to say congratulations, and I think, I, and it's it's clearly why, why we are here with the city-county strategy is uh, because many, at least in my council district, many of the uh, situations that you had to encounter were uh, on situations where ha the city and the county were bordering basically on a sidewalk and uh, figuring out how to work together and leading us to that place. Uh, the, the solution to where we are today is from that on the ground experience and how we can best resolve that. So I just want to say thank you. Uh, you should take a great pride where we're at now because of your work and that effort. So thank you, Mr. Mayor. Bridget, oh, Councilmember Vang, please. Yes, please, I think please, everyone, please. everyone's gonna need to speak on this because Bridget is amazing. You know, Bridget, um, it's been such an honor to work with you because um, we're not new council members anymore because there's new council members that are going to come in, but I still feel like a new council member. Um, but Bridget, it's been such an honor to work with you for the past two years, uh, just with you and your team. You know, you have truly set the foundation for best practices of how to address homelessness in any jurisdiction. Um, similarly, with Councilmember Chenier, I remember being on calls with you, strategies calls, venting calls, right? Because homelessness is such... 
an incredibly complex issue, and you have really been able to help guide me as a young elected, my team really through the system, and also letting me know the gaps in our system, right, and what we need to do even as policymakers to make sure that we address those gaps. Um, I am so appreciative of you um, and your entire team. Even I see Ben out there as well. We work very closely regarding the large Southeast Asian encampment and District 8 um, and wouldn't have been able to do that without your leadership, the culture that you've created to ensure that staff is really responsive in a way that um, is that has cultural humility right, to our unhoused community. And so I think a big part of that is really the leaders that are leading the department, and that was you. Um, and so really, we're gonna miss you a lot, but we have your number, so we know how to contact you when there are more, There's and the issues are gonna keep coming, right? And you're an expert in this field, and so just thank you so much for your heart and your hustle and your service to the city of Sacramento, and uh, just congratulations on your retirement. So Mayor, before we do the photo, I'm hoping that Bridget, if she wants to say anything, yes. <laughs> she's hiding there in the middle of it. Uh, take more than two minutes. <laughs> try to be precise. <laughs> so first off, I want to say thank you to all of you. Uh, this has been a labor of love, even though to the mayor's point, it's been bumpy at times. Uh, I want to thank you, Mayor, for giving me this amazing opportunity to take a career of almost 30 years and culminate uh, my social work and various backgrounds to this point to really make a difference in this city. But I could not have done that without the support of you and council, and especially this amazing team behind me. <laughs> this group of folks, this group of folks step up, they show up every day and they do the work every day no matter what is said to them, what the political climate or other climate is, and they do it with grace and dignity to really make a difference for folks out there and those of us who aren't housed and um, don't have all the access we need to be successful. So my hope is that I know you, I know you will all continue the work, but my hope is that we continue the work together. I will be a very active D5 resident, and I'm sure you'll see me sitting in these seats occasionally, and I'll get my two minutes, but uh, you do all have my number. Please reach out. I will be here for the city. I believe it has to be the best place ever. I've shared before. I've got two amazing grandsons who are going to grow up here, and uh, I won't settle for less than excellent. So thank you for all the work you do every day in showing up, and I appreciate it. They've got a lot of staff here that we might not have. Why don't, why don't we, okay, Katie. Either way. Okay. okay, you and I will go down. We'll go down. Do you want one of just you guys and then the rest of the team, or do you want to do it all? All right. <laughs> Need some more on this side? Yeah, we do. On this side. Can you guys shuffle this way? We got more coming in. Okay. You guys go to that side, okay? Go to the right. All right. 
All right, on Tim, ready? Three, two, one. Three, two, one. And one more for me. One, two, three, go. All right. Great. Great job. Okay. Members, we do have one more uh, important resolution today presented by a council, mem by council member, Mayor Pro Tem Guetta. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, and uh, uh, this, I have the pleasure of uh, presenting the resolution recognizing the Afghan Adjustment Act and U.S. allies. Uh, and uh, uh, to receive it today uh, on behalf of uh, Zahal, Bahadur, uh, Zahal Bahaduri, uh, co-founder and executive director of the Five uh, Pillars Organization and uh, former assembly member Roger Dickinson, uh, is um, uh, Marcus Tang from the, the Fuel Network, the Family Unity and Education and Legal Network. Unfortunately, the, uh, the bug is going around here. Every, and so, uh, uh, but on their behalf, uh, Marcus is gonna be here to accept this resolution. Marcus, if you don't mind coming up to the podium. Um, and I do have a statement here to read on behalf of Zahal uh, Bahaduri uh, and uh, Roger Dickinson here um, uh, on, this, uh, on this act here. Uh, the Five Pillars is an Afghan-American-led organization that aids in the resettlement of refugees in Northern California. Since its founding in August 2021 in response to the Cabal evacuation, we've provided support and rapid response aid to over 800 Afghan newcomers. The U.S. evacuation nearly 76,000 Afghans in, a, in August of 2021, the largest evacuation since the Vietnam War. California has, be, has welcomed at least 8,300 Afghan allies, and, uh, and Sacramento County has the largest Afghan refugee population in the, uh, uh, in the U.S. Mayor Steinberg said himself that, that he expected more than 5,000 refugees to relocate to Sacramento and its surrounding communities uh, in 2020-2022. Our Afghan allies are here in America and they are building a new home, but they are here on parolee status, which is temporary and, they need a, and need a permanent pathway to lawful permanent residency. We have a solution to this crisis today and it's called the Afghan Adjustment Act, a bipartisan bill introduced in Congress that would provide a pathway to permanent residency for Afghans. If Congress doesn't act, the Afghan Adjustment Act on the Afghan Adjustment Act, thousands of Afghans could lose their ability to work, access health care, and lose their legal right to live here. This is the moment to stand up for our allies as they stood beside us in Afghanistan and show them that we are welcomed here. We are, we are welcomed here by voting yes. Um, they are welcomed here by voting yes for this resolution and demanding that Congress pass the bill. This is by far the most important thing uh, you will ever do for our allies and for America. 
thank you, Roger Dickinson, uh, former California State Assembly member, and Zahal Bahardi. I'd like to also just say, you know, uh, I work uh, very closely, uh, uh, you know, with Alejandro Cabrera in my office staff. Um, and he does a lot for our city. He's, a, he's also a veteran who did two tours in Afghanistan. And uh, in his work while he was in Afghanistan, there were many Afghan, Afghani uh, folks who uh, helped him and other of our Americans uh, out there. And they did everything from public infrastructure, maintenance of our military bases. They ran the trash and public sanitations. They maintained our telecommunication system. They helped all of our different folks here. And now they're in a situation where they need our help. Uh, and so uh, this resolution, while I think it's a very small statement of where we are, not only being a city that has a history of welcoming immigrants, refugees, and asylees, and done it by funding the Family Unity and Education Legal Network. And, uh, but more importantly, I think making a statement about making sure that those who helped us while our Americans were abroad, and this isn't just the military servicemen, there were civilians that were out there and aid workers who were out there. Um, you know, uh, on behalf, uh, to, re to, uh, to accept this resolution on behalf of the city is Marcus Tang. Uh, Marcus, thanks for being here. Thank you, Councilmember. Um, good afternoon, my name is Marcus. I am an immigration attorney at California Rural Legal Assistance Foundation. I'm here on behalf of the Family Unity Education and Legal Network, uh, also known as FUEL. Um, the FUEL Network is a Sacramento City-funded coalition of nonprofits and other community partners dedicated to helping Sacramento residents prevent, prepare for, or defend against deportation. Um, I'm joined here by Omar Althamimi uh, from CARE, the Council on Ast um, Amer American Islamic Relations, who is another partner of the FUEL Network. Um, and we have a, a lot of other folks right now who are joining by Zoom. Um, so um, th there's actually also other, uh, many other organizations that would be here today in, in person, um, but we actually have a conflicting Afghan asylum clinic that is actually going on as we speak. Um, and so, you know, over the past year and a half, many of our field network organizations have been working tirelessly on behalf of Afghan ev evacuees, and we couldn't be more enthusiastic in our support of the city of Sacramento adopting a resolution calling upon Congress to pass the Afghan Adjustment Act. Um, for three main reasons, we believe that it is imperative that the Afghan Adjustment Act pass as soon as possible. First, our community and, and really our nation does not have the resources to provide timely legal assistance to this enormous group of newcomers. In the Sacramento, Sacramento area alone, we have over 4,332 individuals to serve, and we only have about 10 months until most of these individuals will fall out of lawful status. Um, second, our asylum system is completely overburdened, and the arrival of over 76,000 asylum seekers has only caused additional straining of the system. While asylum interviews are, uh, for, for Afghan evacuees are being prioritized, there have, been, there have been significant issues with the processing of these applications, including a lack of qualified interpreters for their interviews, as well as delays in receiving notices and decisions. Before the fall of Afghanistan, we had clients waiting five or more years for an asylum interview. And in prioritizing the Afghan cases, those that were pending prior to their arrival will only fall further into the backlog. Um, the passage of the Afghan Adjustment Act would provide additional more streamlined pathways for permanent, for permanent status uh, for Afghans to free up significant asylum resources. And third, um, we owe these, as Councilmember Geta mentioned or, or, or explained, we owe these U.S. allies dignified treatment for their unwavering support of our country. For over 20 years, these evacuees and their family members have bravely risked their lives working alongside the U.S. in Afghanistan, and we should facilitate sustainable pathways to permanent safety for them. Our communities, our communities grassroots organizations are deeply, 
do deeply understand the realities that Afghan evacuees have faced here in the United States. We believe in the Afghan adjustment. We believe that the Afghan Adjustment Act is the only viable way to ensure that large numbers of our nation's allies do not fall out of legal status um, or become risk at deport of deportation to a country where they will surely be harmed um, or killed. The act would also provide for quicker pathways to safety for evacuees' family members who, are, who may still be in Afghanistan. We express our sincere support for the draft resolution, our, our gratitude to Councilman Magueda um, and all of those who involved um, in, in drafting it, and we encourage the City Council to adopt the resolution today. Thank you. Thank you. It's not uh, for a vote, in fact. Because it's a resolution, it means that every member has agreed unanimously to uh, sign it and support it. So. Um, it's, it's, it was good before it even got here, uh, and, and important nonetheless. Go ahead. Sean? Yep. Thank you very much, Mr. Mayor. And um, yes, it's all agreed already. So um, I wanted to personally thank you for everything you're doing for the Afghan community, because their situation is a little bit different. Um, if you go back to the, the time where um, um, George Bush Jr. decided to kind of invade that country and kind of throw everything on balance. And here we are dealing with individuals that pretty much they, didn't, they, they wanted to stay in their country, but because of the outside forces, um, their country got completely destroyed, so their lives became in danger. And as we came out of that country, we saw the kind of mess that we left there. So. Um, the Afghan Adjustment Act, I'd be very shocked if it doesn't pass. We owe these wonderful people that much to make sure that we can get them, um, you know, what they need, protection, and make them feel right at home because simply we decided to take away their home. So um, I'm grateful for what you're doing. Uh, there's another organization that's going to be coming in. I can't wait until I can introduce you to the, that same organization so we can do some great things for this community. So I'm grateful uh, for everything that you guys are doing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. And I also want to thank Omar here for, from CARE, who's been a longtime partner with the City of Sacramento and all the work you've uh, done here as well. And uh, just here, I'll, I'll come down to, to present the resolution, but uh, Omar, I don't know if you have any comments to make, and, and I'll, I'll come down as, as you make them here. Thank you all. Um, I don't have much. Um, I'm really just here to be, you know, a supporting face and, and a friend um, for, for our network. But I want to thank each of you for, for kind of passing the bill on this and, and helping with this resolution. I was actually there. I was lobbying in D.C. early in June. Um, we do it about once a year. Um, and it was before the bill was even introduced, but it was on our, it was on our plate and we were following it. And the reason it wasn't introduced was because um, before introduction, they wanted bipartisan support for the bill. Um, and it's an election year, so all of that work is, is, you know, we really need people to step up and kind of redo that work and, and call on our legislators um, for support. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's come a long way, and, and I really just want to know, kind of as, as Councilmember Lowe mentioned, a lot of our new Afghan refugees are, are people who um, couldn't stay in the country because they were targeted for their support of American forces um, in their time there. Um, and, and so thank you all for, for kind of you know, pushing this precedent and setting it for, for other cities and, and for other counties to kind of adopt something similar and to really push um, a united voice upwards. Um, but yeah, thank you all.
I uh, slightly misspoke earlier. We do have one more resolution, and, and it's an important one, a celebration. I'll turn it over to Councilmember Vang. Thank you, Mayor. I believe you're also co-sponsoring this resolution with me as well. Um, thank you so much. You know, it's such an honor. Uh, this is actually our last city reso for the year of 2022, and it's such an honor for me to be presenting this resolution to the California Karen Youth Connection. I wanna take this time to thank Co from the California Karen Youth Commission, their executive committee, community members, really just for the great work that you are all doing in the community. Um, at this time, I actually would like for you all to come up uh, to receive the resolution. I just have a few words, but we'll love for Co and the executive committee and all of the folks from the Karen Youth Connection to come up. Don't be shy, come up, come up to the podium. As you know, Mayor, Sacramento strength is truly our diversity. Uh, for, for those that may not know, um, the Karen people are an ethnic group of Burma and Myanmar, and uh, many of them immigrated to California starting in the early 2000s as refugees. Um, the Karen people have given so much of themselves to help make California a more vibrant, diverse, and progressive place to be and to live. Um, today, what we're doing is really uplifting the Karen people, um, but in particular, we're, uh, we're actually recognizing the Karen New Year. The Karen New Year uh, marks the end of the harvesting uh, season, um, and it really celebrates the unique cultural heritage. Um, it, this is an opportunity also really to promote the Karen language, its literature, its traditions, um, and really, um, it also creates opportunities for others who are not Karen to really enjoy, build a relationship, and learn about this beautiful, resilient community. Um, it is estimated that there's about 1,600 Karen living in California, including right here in Sacramento, Oakland, Manteca, Bakersfield, and San Diego. Um, and while they are a small community, they are an incredibly, like I shared earlier, beautiful, resilient, strong, and vibrant community. Uh, this year on December 22nd, we'll officially mark the Karen New Year um, and actually will also be declared as Karen New Year Day in Sacramento. And so it's just a, a, an honor to present this resolution on behalf of the city and to um, really recognize uh, a small but mighty, incredible uh, group of, of indigenous people that's doing everything they can to really uplift um, their community and, and the world and this planet. And so just wanna say thank you so much for even giving me the opportunity to recognize Karen New Year. Um, and with that, um, you know, we'd love for you to say a few words and we'll come down and take a quick photo. Thank you. Good afternoon, Mr. Mayor, uh, member of the council, especially uh, council member Mai Baines for her extraordinary leadership in taking this initiative and her championship in these resolutions. Uh, we had a meeting with her and her staff uh, talking about these resolutions. And uh, thank you so much for all your support in passing the resolution, so I appreciate that. Uh, my name is Ko, and I'm with the California Korean Youth Connections. We are an organization to educate and empower the youth and young adults who came to the United States at an early age from Burma as a refugee. Some came as a refugees, uh, some born here who did not know their language, their cultures. So what the organization does is to provide a guidance uh, about our history, our cultures, our politics, our language, like Council Member Vane's mentions, as well as our cultural events. And one of the events coming up is the Karen New Year that will be celebrated in uh, December 30th. Uh, although it is uh, December uh, 22nd is the New Year date, uh, we will be celebrated in December 31st uh, for our celebration. And we invite all of you to come and attend and uh, enjoy the food, enjoy the cultural events as well. Um, 
And we also want to thank you for uh, providing these resolutions. Uh, and this resolution means a lot to us for the Korean people, in, especially in Sacramento, the Korean people in Oakland, in Manteca, in uh, Sac uh, Bakersfield, and as well as San Diego. This marks an historical day for our Korean people to thrive and to be build a working relationship with you guys and um, uh, promote our Korean people and build a relationship in the future and going forward. So with this resolution, we want to thank you all. And we also invite Sacramento, uh, the, the people in Sacramento, to join us in celebrating Korean New Year and learning about the Korean history, cultivated culture understanding, developing a relationship in the future, and supporting our Korean people in your neighbors as well. And today I am joined by um, my colleagues, the chair of the California Korean Youth Connections, as well as Tamu. Uh, Mu is the Bakersfield uh, Korean representative, and then as well as uh, Daneta, who will make a brief remark. Thank you. Um, thank you. Good afternoon. Good, good. Uh, I'm honored to present our Korean New Year to make the people know in Sacramento. We've been celebrating Korean New Year in Sacramento for the last four years. During COVID, we scaled down a little bit, but we still celebrated with all the COVID guidelines. And, but we celebrate and we feel like we are often nobody knows us. We just celebrate our own our community and thought, oh, people, if we be part of the Sacramento or the California capital. So yeah, it's good that our secretary made attempt and uh, reaching out and thank you for all your consideration and thank you for the time. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. I am extremely honored, happy, and very excited to be here to celebrate the recognition of Korean New Year Day by the leadership of California. The recognition of the Korean New Year is a great honor for us. We, the Korean people, have been persecuted, but we never fail to celebrate our roots. It is a great opportunity for us to celebrate who we are and this reminder that we are a part of the United States. We celebrate our culture and at the same time we enrich culture, diversity in California and in the whole United States of America. One of our main purpose of forming California Korean Youth Connection is to have uh, our current people be acknowledged and recognized. And we have been trying the best that we can for almost 10 years. This is the first and happiest achievement so far as we are allowed to celebrate our New Year Day and keep our own identity as the current people. We owe a great deal to the country that we vote to uphold liberty, peace, and prosperity of the country. You can count on us when it comes to cooperation for the betterment of the United States of America. Thank you for your support and understanding. God bless the United States of America. Good afternoon. Uh, I am a board member of the California Korean Youth Connection and a member of the Korean community in Bakersfield. I'm here to express my gratitude, a gratitude that I share with the Korean people uh, in the whole world 
It is a very happy afternoon for the Korean people today because one of our most important and celebrated cultural custom is recognized by the city of Sacramento. Our people are most fearful of one thing and that is of our cultural culture disappearing, especially our language and history. Korean New Year provides an avenue for us to revive cultural appreciation and cultural learning, passing on our culture to our Korean children and youths, many of whom were carried here to freedom and have little to no memories of the Korean homelands and Korean home communities before America, which is currently war-torn and riddled with violent armed conflicts. We hope and have put much effort into educating our youth and spreading our awareness to fellow Americans about our Korean people and history because we believe and trust in a future in America, a future of America where our youth can have a full grasp of both their American nationality and Korean cultural heritage. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Why don't we have everyone come up here? Yes. So I just want to say thank you. I mean, I want to thank you for educating us and educating the community. And Councilmember Vang, the same to you, because I, I admit I, I'm a love history, but this is, I was not aware of this history, and now I am. And that's a gift, not just to me, but to our entire community. Thank you. If I can add one other thing, Mayor, and that is, yeah. you know, the, the fact that you're here today, it's an honor, so thank you so much. But what resonated with me being an immigrant, um, I'm extremely honored and proud that you want to keep the roots and the culture intact, even though the new generation, we're all going to be Americans. So uh, having two kids myself, they're American, but we're still trying to teach them you know, some of the cultural that we have. So honored to be here, and it's an honor to learn about your culture. One more, one more. Yeah. 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 Or like that way, this way. I know. That would be a nice little memento to send the people after. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. members thank you so much uh, members we as you know we have uh, 
gone through and taken action on the Housing Authority calendar. We now move to the consent calendar for the regular meeting. And we've already dispensed, of course, with items 31 and 32 on the discussion calendar. So are there items on the consent calendar that members want to discuss or vote upon separately? I'll move consent, Mr. Mayor. Oh, I oh, Councilman Valenzuela hand, did have one. <laughs> go, go. Um, I was hoping to pull item 15 just for a quick comment and a separate vote. A separate vote on item 15. Okay, and a comment. All right. Any other item, members? Okay, then let's. Uh, I'll second, I'll second the consent calendar, with the exception of item 15, Councilmember Guetta, is, is moved and seconded. Is there public testimony? Excuse me, on the consent calendar. Do not. Let me double check. Uh, that's a different item. Uh, item 29. I'm sorry. Is there another item that one wants? Uh, 29 yes. 29 is a consent item. Yes. So you want to speak on 29, but not pull it for a separate vote. Okay. So we'll we'll, we'll get this all we'll get this all done. Is there public testimony? I have one speaker online. Let's hear from the public. Go ahead. Call in user two. Hello, yes, this is Lambert, and I, I was calling for number 18. It can be resolved for me because Ash Ragani has sent me several emails about many things. So if he could just send me a copy of the fiscal year 2020-21, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Mr. Davis. All right, let us, let us hear, because we're going to take up item 15 separately. So uh, we have a motion and a second on the consent calendar other than 15, but council members get it and maybe Lowy want to comment on item 29. Uh, yes, Mr. Mayor, and I, I want to clarify my, uh, my, my motion here as, uh, uh, with a, uh, if Mr. Jennings will agree to the second, uh, move the consent calendar excluding item 15 um, with direction on item 29 uh, that um, staff come back to uh, before March or by March to the Law and Legislation Committee on um, improving enforcement monitoring and raising and looking at the fees to support the enforcement um, for vacant lots. Uh, so the, the, that would add direction to that, that motion to make sure we get that done. It's a conversation we've had for, for months already, uh, and I think we're, uh, we're ready to move on that aspect. Um, and I want to thank uh, Councilmember Lowy for working on uh, on this issue. Both of our districts have a number of vacant lots. This ordinance change here uh, helps us move that needle, but uh, we still need to work on the uh, enforcement and the monitoring and making sure that we're uh, also capturing all the appropriate fees. Okay, so that's the direction as part of 29. Councilman Jennings, do you agree to that I second? To that, yeah. Any comments from city management on that? Okay. Then let's, uh, then all in favor of the consent calendar as the motion was made, please say aye. 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 Opposed, abstain. The consent calendar passes. Let's go back then to item 15. Councilmember Valenzuela. Oh yes, um, thank you for allowing a separate vote. I'm going to abstain from this item and I wanna apologize to staff because I think I let drop an item on the law and ledge log around a privacy and surveillance item ordinance. And so I do want, this is a very bright item that includes a lot of things and I just think it's important that we have some clear policies and practices on privacy and surveillance in place. So I'll just abstain from this item with a request that we continue that conversation when we're able and the new year. I'll move item 15, Mayor. Moved and seconded. But for the record, Councilmember Schneer will be added as an I vote to the previous measure motion on the consent calendar. 
All right, um, let's call the roll then. Uh, or, I mean, can I just say, all in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed, abstain? Okay, easier to do. Easier to do, thank you, yeah, eight, 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 zero, one. All right, that's, that dispenses with the consent calendar. Let's move to item, we have item 30 and 33 before we uh, adjourn. Item 30, easement on Rose Street. Who's presenting on this? Okay, I guess, uh, I guess uh, the vacation of the easement. Okay, go ahead. My name is Thomas Adams with the Engineering Service Division of the Public Work, Department of Public Works. The item before you is a request to vacate a public roadway easement by way of adopting a resolution to vacate Rose Street. Rose Street is located in the north part of Sacramento at Grand Avenue and just west of Rio Linda Boulevard. Rose Street is a single access, dead-end street publicly accessible from Grand Avenue. It is adjacent to the Heartland Children and Family Family Services Resource Facility at 811 Grand Avenue. The property owner of 811 Grand Avenue plans on utilizing the area once vacated as an outdoor play area for the children and families that Heartland Resource Facility serves. The city does not have present or future plans to develop or improve this area of Rose Street. City staff along with various agencies support this vacation request. The action recommended with this request is, cons is consistent with the Sacramento 2035 general plan and is in compliance with the California Streets and Highways Code. That concludes my presentation and staff will be gladly to answer any questions you may have. Thank you very, very much. Uh, which district is this? District two, Councilman Lilloe, any? It's a vote. It's a public hearing. It's a public hearing, no, no, no. What? Open and close. Well, is there public comment? There is not. There is not. So, Councilman Lowley, what's your prerogative? Oh, close the public, public hearing. Open and close the public hearing and move the item. Uh, second by Vice Mayor Pertem Guetta. Uh, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Oppose, abstain. That passes unanimously. Thank you. Last item Thank you. of the afternoon is item 33. Good afternoon, Mayor and Council members. My name is Armando Herrera. I'm the Administrative Analyst for our Human Resources Administration Division. The items in this report pursuant to the government code reference must be orally presented. I have a short report to present to you. The top of the city auditor's salary range will be increased to $112.13 an hour and his salary set at that amount. In addition, the auditor is being granted 217 hours of leave. The top of the Office of Public Safety Accountability Director's salary range will be increased to $108.90 an hour and her salary set at that amount. As you will remember, the city is actively performing a citywide classification and compensation study. This change I'm about to read for department heads is the first recommendation we are bringing to you for implementation as a result of the study. We are combining eight of the department head salary ranges into one range. Two of the current ranges will remain the same, two are being reduced, and four are increasing. 
The salary ranges for each of the following classifications shall be set with the minimum range being $73.84 an hour and the maximum range being $110.76 an hour. Chief Information Officer, Community Development, Convention and Cultural Services, Finance, Human Resources, Youth Parks and Community Enrichment, Public Works, and Utilities. This is the end of my presentation. Thank you. Thank you. I know that uh, is required in detail uh, according to state law, so thank you for doing that. Um, is there public testimony? I have no hands raised on this item. Okay. Is there a motion? I'll move the item. Moved by, moved and seconded. Any questions, comments? Um, you want me to call the roll or? All in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Measure abstention. abstention by Councilmember Chenier, so that passes uh, eight zero uh, with one abstention. Thank you. Thank you. Seven one. Excuse me. That's right. All right, uh, members. That concludes uh, the agenda. We do have a uh, a closed session at four o'clock. Um, do we take council comments or uh, we do? And then okay. we have not on agenda too. Okay, Let, let's talk one. We have one speaker for comment on items not on the agenda. Let's hear from that speaker. Our speaker is James Tan. Mr. Tan, welcome to you. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Mayor and council members. My name is James Tan. I'm uh, the owner of a property, a duplex at 5790 Tangerine Avenue in Sacramento. Uh, we received a notice of alleged violation number 22-043527. And uh, this was dated November the 4th, but I actually received it on the 20th of November because uh, my partner and I, we were traveling. My uh, mother-in-law has passed away. So we received it on the 20th, and immediately we looked for a gardener and arborist to trim and, and cut the trees on, on the subject property to remedy the situation. Apparently, there was some vegetation that impedes clearance for pedestrians. So, but however, due to the Thanksgiving holidays, we were not able to find anybody who can do the work during the week of 21st through the 25th of November. During the week of the 2nd of December, 2022, we were able to schedule an arborist to cut the trees and eliminate all the shrubbery that may be an issue. So by the 5th, the work had been completed. However, we didn't understand that within 21 days after the notice dated on November the 4th, which is on November the 25th, a fine was imposed on the property. This was done even though we did not receive or read the notice until the 20th of November. So, and then much to our surprise yesterday on the, actually two days ago on the 11th of December, we received a letter from the community development. And um, this is a notice to order and clean and re remove, repair, whatever. And uh, that actually comes with a fee of $575 plus a title fee of $165, et cetera, et cetera. Now, at the same time, a new list was given, which is storage of junk, dangerous, blah, 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 uh, and the landscape issue. On the week of December the 5th, we were at the premises, and we did not see the items listed, uh, with the exception of the landscape, which was being cleared at that time. And... Um, Thank you yes. for your comments. Your time is complete. So I, I want to make sure this is a specific concern. I want to make sure that you have the opportunity to meet with the appropriate staff so that we can look into this. It's hard. We, we can't decide this here. 
but let's see if we can have you sit down with the right uh, representative of the staff and see if we can understand and work out your concern. Mr. Jesso? Uh, like okay. okay. And, if, and if you don't get relief, you're welcome to come back and, 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 and talk to us, okay? There's okay. Mr. Jesso right there who will sit with you and try to, try to work through this, okay? Okay, thank you so much. I have two more speakers online. Okay. Barry Boyd and then Colin User 2, I believe Mr. Lambert. Thank you and good afternoon to all. Um, I'm calling in to ask, is the City of Sacramento making plans to celebrate Grant High School's Division Three State Championship uh, one this past Saturday um, and having a uh, both a proclamation and declaring a Grant High School football team state championship day for Grant High School. Thank you very much. Go ahead. Sorry. Thank you. Next speaker is uh, Lambert oh, Davis. Wait, Mr. Lilloe, you know, you've had 48 hours here. Come on, man. Um, uh, you know, let, let let's, make, let's get it together. May I? No, I think it's a great, you, you were on it and you're going to do it. So I know I have know. some of my colleagues ahead of me. If I may make the. <laughs> Announcement before Mr. Lambert, I would greatly appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> well, Mr. Davis is going to say it, but then you'll make it officially. Yeah, at least we're on the same page. Okay. Um, very honored. Uh, <laughs> the word honored and privilege it does it just doesn't do it justify to the championship game this past Saturday um, at Grand High School. What a game, Mr. Mayor. It literally went to the final second. And these young men from Grant High School walked out on the field on offense with merely 30 seconds left. <laughs> and I stood there and I looked at them and I learned something. And that was, the game is not over. We've been here before, we can cover this. Not one individual was nervous, in fact, one of the teachers walked up to me and she said, you see those guys out there? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, those are my seniors. And we had a conversation this morning. Those seniors are going to win the game. I was like, I hope so, you know, because the time is just not there. And Mr. Mayor, those seniors won the game. It was such a class act. It was unbelievable. I lost my voice. <laughs> I was at the game with my son. I lost my son, so thank God for security. <laughs> they were able to connect us. But uh, what a night. The community came together. Um, I went to the visiting site, and they couldn't be more um, uh, appreciative of the service that they received by Twin River staff. The game was fantastic. We're going to have the football team here right after our break. And then uh, I'll have something special for the senior class of the team and obviously the coaching staff. So my hat is off to um, the, the, the entire Twin River um, staff, board of trustees, uh, principal of uh, Grand High School, all the coaching staff, and of course um, these young men that are – it, it just – felt so good watching these guys, knowing that they're going to do something and they got it done, which made me proud knowing that our future, these young individuals, will be able to take care of us when we get old. 
So <laughs> Um, great game, and we're definitely going to have something very special for them right after the, the break. I love it. I just love it. It's uh, really inspiring and exciting. Oh, it was great. And the night before, we had food, so the whole team came to the cafeteria. We spent some time there. And um, again, class act team, class act coaching staff, very proud. So wish thank you very much. I wish I could have been there. I was out of town. It's wonderful. Okay, uh, let's go through the members. Well, we got Mr. Davis. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mr. Davis? Yes, uh, there's a lot of things going on now, Mayor and City Council. Uh, this is the 90th anniversary of Grand High School. And in the middle of this major anniversary, uh, two weeks ago, you honored the drum line, you honored the basketball team. And now, these youngsters, they had to win on the road. They had to go win at Hughes Stadium. Then they had to go way down to El Cerrito. And then they had to come home under tremendous pressure to win it at home because there was just no room for excuses. That's the thing I like about Del Paso Heights and growing up there. It's a so-called, it is a well, it's an underserved community and they're getting a lot of things accomplished. I mean, to the Bay and Back Cheesecakes was founded there. And so when you start looking at what they accomplished last week, uh, more should be done than what I just heard. Things like giving them jobs in the summer, uh, getting tickets to go see the Kings where they won the championship. The drum line shouldn't have any problem getting a budget for travel, food, and lodging because they're going to Europe next year. So keep all of those things in mind because there's some wonderful parents and grandparents that are attached to these young people. And by the way, I found out later that they were promoting to the Bay and Back Cheesecake site, which is linked on Inside Sacramento magazine, which has gone viral. So shout out to the young people being a millennial. I don't understand what they did, but apparently it went well at the game as well so shout out to the grant pacers on many levels but get them some jobs they need jobs in the summer thank you thank you for your comments mayor i have no more speakers okay thank you uh we do have three uh, council members we do need to get to closed session we want to yes. see if we could be timely by five o'clock um go right ahead okay Councilmember Valenzuela. thank you i'll be very quick i already emailed this to mindy Councilmember vang and i would like to request that staff bring forward a resolution to expand the practice of raising the pride flag during pride month at every the pride flag yeah. during pride month at every city building that has a flag oh, yeah. great idea not my idea. I can't take credit. Well, whatever. <laughs> Thank you. Count uh, Mayor Pro Tem Guetta. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, uh, two, qu two quick items, and then I'll tag on to Councilmember Vang's. I'll just say uh, on the last one. Uh, one, uh, I'd like to direct staff to bring back a workshop in Law and Legislation Committee in the, uh, in the early part of the spring on digital flags um, and uh, the policies um, and how to move forward on digital flags. Uh, such as that you see when you go down Stockton Boulevard, there's, uh, you see those the, the, the uh, cloth flags, but how do we do digital flags? Uh, second, um, another uh, for staff, for the city manager, uh, direct staff to schedule, uh, again, a, a workshop in February or late January, preferably uh, um, on, on the Law and Ledge Committee here. Um, and I know we're going to adjust those committees as, go, as we move forward here, but uh, to uh, look at the appropriate public health agencies, 
uh, when, it, when it relates to the public health impacts of uh, cannabis consumption with youth and children. So I want to make sure we're uh, focusing on that in the early part of the year. Uh, and then on the last one uh, regarding language access, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to say ditto to what Councilmember Vang is about to uh, say. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Councilmember Vang. Thanks, Mayor. Uh, recently in our Budget and Audit uh, Committee, um, the Language Equity Access uh, Audit Report uh, was presented uh, during our committee. Um, and it actually uh, was approved and will be coming to the full council for consideration. Uh, there were actually many recommendations that, in that report. Um, and I know that our city manager will be developing an internal uh, policy for the language for the language access policy. Um, but um, as I shared in our Budget and Audit Committee, it's going to be really important to make sure that this council uh, sets the foundation and the direction on really our threshold and what we um, expect as a city in terms of language access services. And so I'd like to direct staff to work with <clears throat> Mayor Pro Tem's office and my office, the city attorney's office, um, our city auditor's office, and the city manager to develop a council-led language access policy, a, more like a framework or an ordinance that will actually complement the report recommendation. Um, and we would actually like this draft uh, framework uh, to be um, uh, to, to have it ready before it comes to um, council uh, for full consideration when the audit comes to the full council because we want to be able to share that draft framework with our careholders and our language equity access task force that we've been working with and so wanted to just provide direction um, here um, so it's on record uh, with the full council. Thank you, thank you, thank you very very much. Um, all right, members, we're going to go into closed session, uh, and then the swearing in will uh, commence at 5 o'clock. Thank you for anything else, Madam City Attorney? We won't see you back in chambers. Anyways, we are adjourned.